you're asking your developers a lot of times to be able to do a lot of context switching between the type of client that they're working with. And then if, well, so-and-so, ha- like our internal folks have it this way and they have this this language or they have these approaches and maybe the tool name is a little bit different. Just those different types of experiences from a developer perspective makes that product development process a lot harder because then you're asking the developers to say, okay, when you build this and it goes to prod, you may have to do two different deploys and there's two different run books. And then there's two different disaster recovery strategies and it starts to compile on top of itself, you know? And a lot of times you don't hear that because they just get it done and they do an excellent job at it. But that experience is still there because then when you try to onboard a new developer, you're like, well, they'll ask a question, well, why is it, why do we do it this way? Oh, it's always been done this way. Everything has two of everything. And that's, that experience is just not the best, you know? Welcome to the Product Agility Podcast, the missing link between Agile and Product. The purpose of this podcast is to share practical tips, strategies, and stories from world-class thought leaders and practitioners. Why, I hear you ask. Well, I want to increase your knowledge and your motivation to experiment so that together we can create ever more successful products. My name is Ben Maynard, and I'm your host. What has driven me for the last decade to bridge the gap between agility and product is a deep-rooted belief that people and products evolving together can achieve mutual excellence. And in this episode, we are joined once again by C.P. Richardson for his final, for now, episode. In this episode, we talk about how content switching is just so detrimental to our lives and our colleagues' lives. We talk about how having courage and really going for transparency from current and potential customers can really unlock a huge amount of success when it comes to the products that we are creating, not only in current markets, but maybe in target markets too. We also spend some time looking at CP's life in his job and how the platform that he works on, ArcXP, has gone from being an internal, internal collection of tools to being a real market-leading platform. So before we begin and you get these valuable insights and learn something new from, well, probably CP more than me, if I'm honest with you in this one, I wanted to take a moment to ask you that favor that I've been asking for a while now, which is please, if you love this episode, or even if you just like it a little bit, recommend it to a friend. The more people listen, the more interesting and exciting and guests I can entice on. So without any further ado, let's begin the episode. Hello and welcome everyone, me and uh, Chris. CP Richardson are back in the studio, virtual studio, um, talking about who we would impersonate if we could impersonate anyone in the world. And CP's choice was much more, was, was actually quite brilliant and something which I think most people would probably want to do the same because Barack Obama, it would be an awesome person to be able to impersonate. Um, yeah, second only probably to my choice, which was Macho Man Randy Savage. But Savage to Slim Jim, baby. Savage to Slim Jim. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I thought I'd obliged to mention that just to let everyone know why perhaps I'm feeling slightly more jovial when I've got a big smile on my face because we've been having fun. I know, right? right? It's so boring. It's so boring. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 So we are going to be talking, We last time round, the other time round, we spoke about facilitation and, uh, <laughs> don't be libelous, and about Capital One. That's the last episode. And this episode, we're going to talk about uh, Arc 
Is there like a hand gesture you can do for XP? X um, I've been trying to come up with P? one about Arc XP. I haven't gotten one yet, but I like what no. you're doing. So we'll we'll put that on the on the floor. We'll 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 see what happens. It, it'll probably be, will be on the cutting room floor. But yeah. Uh well, I never know. <laughs> I may not look it. I may not look at CP, but I'm, I'm, I'm a trendsetter. Hey, hey, you know what? There you go, man. You're the one with the podcast. There you go. <laughs> I, I can, I can trendsetter. Right. Like showing my age, mate. Saying words like trendsetter. It's like I come out and say, I, I think, you, I think you got to that point when you started with Macho Man. So I think we're already past that. That point. is true. <laughs> that is true. I forget. I forget. I'm no longer eight years old. <laughs> And I forget that it's no longer SummerSlam 88 or oh. whatever it was in WrestleMania. Yeah. Good times. Oh, see, see I, nope, because we can start talking about wrestling, I'll so, start talking about The Rock, and yeah. it's just, yeah, you know, it did. Yeah. So, so, Arc XP. Arc XP, um, yeah. Tell, tell, tell me and the listeners a little bit about, because when you spoke about it before, you spoke with such passion. No, I say that sarcastically. No, you, like, I could tell that you loved it, and we spoke about it before the first episode. I could tell that you love you love. You love I know, was it working there or the product or something about it that you love? So tell us a bit more about Arc XP, yeah. CP. Yeah, so Please. for those who haven't listened, I will try to make a, a nice little button up statement. So Arc XP, um, the cloud native digital experience um, platform um, that helps enterprises and companies and brands and media organizations distribute content, drive digital commerce, and deliver powerful multi-channel experiences. Again, all of that to say is that we are a really cool CMS tool platform, but not just with um, content management, but also with your commerce experience and other different types of experiences that we can build based off the customer need to help create the experience that you want for your site, for your customer base, um, and other different experiences from there. Um, And as I mentioned in the previous episode, a great example of something unique and different that we've built was sweetexchange.com, which is for the Golden State Warriors. Um, which is a project that I got to work on, and I will continue to say, as I said in the last episode, I still wait on those sweet seats. <laughs> Golden State, I will really, we really love some. If not, that's totally okay. I saw you out there piling around with um, you know the president of the United States after you won your championship. I'm just saying, I would like, I just want courtside. I don't even need a seat. I just want courtside seats. But yeah, no, it's <laughs> such a, such a cool experience, such a cool tool, and um, the different clients I got to work with, the different experiences we got to build has just been fantastic and such a great experience thus far. What I then found very interesting about this was that not like, you know, how well you were able just to keep all that, all those words in your memory and repeat it on two episodes back to back. I mean, it's, it's, I, it's, it's something it's, to help. It's like I have it ingrained naturally. I know. It, it, it's, it's crazy. Like, I just, I just, it's just like, on a snap, you know, digital experience platform, you know, that's right in my regular vocabulary. Yeah, if, you could, if you could bottle that, <laughs> millions. <Sure>. But um, <laughs> what I found really interesting, and actually, do you know what? Um, it was was thinking about this idea that you <laughs> developed and in 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 the in your organization, you developed an internal product which, which you use for its own purposes. And then you used it and then you flipped it into effectively a platform for other people to use. So you embraced, well, you didn't, I mean, you didn't, you didn't embrace, that means that would imply that you consciously chose to do this. But what I love about that is that you you used it before you said, let's get other people to reuse it. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the problems that people often have is that they think about the reuse before they think about the use. And they think, well, this would be great. Everyone would love to use this. Let's get it out there. 
as a product or a platform when they don't actually use it themselves. Mm-hmm. And I think actually kind of eating your own dog food in that respect, using it and then say, do you know what? Yeah, we've ironed stuff out around like the bugs and we've got our own little internal thing here. And now we're going to flip it and other people use it. You know, you had a solid a solid thing from which to, to, to build upon. Mm-hmm. But my first question then is when you were, when it was being built internally in the first instance, were you calling it a product or a platform at that point in time? Um, at that point, it was really more of a, a platform, right? It was a tool uh, for a toolbox to help the Washington Post um, be able to create that experience and create that site, right? It was, <clears throat> it was that that experience that not just with you know the folks on the development side, right? But we think about like Pulitzer Prize winning journalists that were using this tool and making sure that the experience that they're trying to share fits what they're like the story that they're mm-hmm. trying to write right so like even if it's from a as i'm composing it as i'm like as a journalist putting together the story after like do my interviews getting working with my editor putting all these different pieces together i still need to write a compelling story but also i need to be able to show and be able to like have like the right experience for the people who are reading it right so it was really focused on just a platform tool folks right to be able to like tear share those experiences it wasn't until if uh, it wasn't until later in the uh if i'm not mistaken in the late 2010s that they started to say like oh hey you know this is something that potentially clients would like potential other uh uh, folks and clients want to use and one of the cool stories about uh, arc xp is that uh, at the time arc publishing um it was actually uh, to get a, uh, to get uh, feedback, it was actually given to college newspapers for them to use, and they give that nice. type of feedback, right? Where it's a, hey, here is something that we think is really helpful. Help us build our tool. Help us build our platform to be able to say, okay, what's the exact experience um, that you that you would like to see? What changes do you like to make? Because again, thing about this is that you're still trying to figure out market fit. Right, you're starting to figure out it's something that's helpful, and what better way to get that is by giving that stuff to free college students to use because they will tell you in a heartbeat what you like, what they like, and what they don't like. So yeah, no, it's uh, it's a very good one. It's a school and something because there's this fantastic tool <clears throat> called the Confidence Wheel. Have you heard of this? Mm-mm. By a guy called uh, Itamar Gilad. Um, and I think it's, it's brilliant. And I'm I'm kind of slowly trying to convince Itamar to come on the podcast because I think that some of his work is just fantastic. And what you're explaining there is just so nice to hear that you were building something and you wanted to improve it. So rather than going by like gut feel or, oh, look, everyone else over there is doing mm-hmm. it or gut feel and, oh, and we can come up with a plan to deliver it. Mm-hmm. You know, you actually went off and you you increased your confidence by getting it used by real people who are doing maybe not exactly the same mm-hmm. kind of stuff as a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist is doing, but very similar at that probably core use case. Mm-hmm. You know? And I think that is <clears throat> such a fantastic way to really build up your confidence because you know, when you look at the confidence wheel, it, it talks about you know your highest levels of confidence come from uh, MVTs, beta testing, etc. Mm-hmm. I mean, getting real people to use it and give you real feedback. Mm-hmm. And I think that is... You know, you must have, that must have been so rich from understanding where to focus, where not to focus, and what to change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it and it's kind of, and it brings it back to, especially when you think of with with this episode, you think about um, product development, 
and and like the approaches for your for your tools, right? I think a lot of organizations, again, this is CP's opinion, and by no way mm-hmm. uh, like the standard that anybody should use, but like this is just how I like how I approach thinking is that the sooner you can get those things into hands of potential customers, even if it's just tell us the good and bad and the ugly, find those people that you mm. trust in your environment, find that circle, find that where your potential market fit is and just ask them like, Hey, break it down for us. If it's crap, tell us, right? Because that's the only way that we're going to improve that. Right. And yeah. through those experiences, through those conversations that we have with, have with um, our early client base and even with our newer clients today, tell us what you like, tell us what you don't like, because if you're able to show transparency in your product and showing that, hey, we are willing to improve based off your suggestions and showing that it's not you're not just a client that's on our roadmap and this is what it is and then you'll get it when you get it. Nah, if you're able to actually show like, no, we are working in tandem together. I think, and this is again my my hope and my desires and my dreams is that um, you're going to start to build that client trust. You're going to start to mm-hmm. build um, that confidence in your product because you know you're putting out the right things. Again, um, if you're able to do that and be okay, be again, be comfortable sometimes getting feedback that you may not like, but that's helping you mm-hmm. determine whether there's market fit or not for your product. Yeah, you need to be able to take the. They take the feedback and and filter it accordingly, but you know when it's when it's your baby and you're getting that terrible feedback as a product person, it's uh, it's hard to take, and it takes a certain level of uh, is the word disambiguation, a certain level of distance to be created between mm-hmm. your emotions and the things you really want versus maybe what some of the data is telling you. But at the same time, also then knowing when to go with that gut feel and say, do you know what? Stop the data. Actually, I think this is a goer. You know, mm-hmm. maybe it works out. And they, they're difficult things to balance. And so when you're you're in this situation then where you, you're using it internally, but it's also going out to external people, do you find or have, have you as an organization found that you've got internal requests for changes to the platform, but then also customers coming in asking for changes? How are you managing that? Have those relationships and that, that kind of demand management? As it were? Right. No. So... That's a really good question, right? Because you're always like ever balancing those different changes, right? So as, again, at the time, Arc Publishing is growing, it's becoming, it's finding that market fit, we're finding like clients, we're getting those leads, we're making those conversions, we're getting those contractual agreements. Again, there is the watch, there's the Washington Post's need too for these different experiences. And over time, there was a concerted decision of, hey, let's split and have like a nice little break point and have Washington Post had their own version, which they call it, I forgot the name of it for the life of me, and, and I'm probably going to get slapped by my Washington Post colleagues. You're like, you should know what this <laughs> is. Um, but they now they have their own version of ARC, right? Um, and yeah. um, now we actually focus solely on clients' needs, client development, things of that nature, because again, those differences uh, in, those, uh, in those experiences are vast. Um, especially from mm-hmm. like a, especially from a storytelling perspective, right? Of like, yeah. what is the experience that we want um, our clients uh, to see or to experience? Because every, because even then, even with all that, diver- with the, the very diverse client base, right? Everybody has a different type of need from your commerce ex- clients to just your pure 
publishing platform to folks who are doing video and broadcast and stuff too. Like those are three vastly different environments and markets that we are trying our best and doing, I, I would mm. like to say, doing a good job of uh, being able to balance. Again, there are, there are, there are challenges with any product, right? But I think we do an excellent mm. job listening to our customer base and make the change. But I, I don't think that would be possible if that split hadn't happened, you know, because then yeah, you're starting to okay. like, you're starting to like, how do I prioritize the posts experience yeah. versus let's say another client of ours? This is just really difficult. To yeah. Do. I, I think it's one of it's, uh, and I'm always, I'm always interested when I'm talking to companies, organizations around platform and product and what is a platform, what's a product and how does it all work? And, I'm, and they're saying, oh, you know, we're going to take this this part of the product, this product, and we're going to just, and we're going to open it up. I'm like, okay, so how are you going to balance then the internal needs versus external needs? And I can't be easy. I'm like, yeah, but you can't. But will it be? Because if it comes down to biting the hand that feeds you, mm-hmm. are you really going to be? We've got a massive. We've got have got a fantastic opportunity here, which is going to take us so far away actually from what they want here. But we're trying to keep it all the same, mm-hmm. all as one. And actually, then that's a very hard decision to make. And then if you if you, you have like, you can technically try and solve that problem but you still got the human problem of the prioritization and everything else so almost i think sometimes making that creating that clear delineation mm-hmm. and having that firewall mm-hmm. you know clear firewall or um what's it saying bank um um i think they called it i think they may be incorrectly maybe called it chinese walls or something but you have, have, have a firm break between certain parts of the organization where mm-hmm. nothing was ever passed Though I though I may not I, cause I, I know what you're talking about because I can't I can't think of it either. However, to, to, yeah. uh, to kind of build upon that and just like that, my thoughts gone because <laughs> uh, it was about ah uh, jeez, it was about this. I've lost it. Gosh darn it! I'm sure I'll remember it um, here in a few minutes. But yeah. That's- yeah, it happens. It happens to us all. It happens yeah. to us all. Yeah, you, can so, tell, yeah. you can tell them getting old. That's what happens. You can tell them getting old. <laughs> no, so we were saying that you know that the it's, it's having that contention between then internal internal users, internal people wanting changes to your your product, mm-hmm. and external then companies, other people wanting changes to it too. Mm-hmm. And how do you balance those needs? And then you've got the other you other kind of uh, what I call middle users mm-hmm. of it who are in between. Got it. Got it. That as well. Yep. Um, Has that helped? Yeah, no, it, it, it does. Because I like, ah, yeah. know exactly what I'm talking about. But not only from that, from our product development experience, uh, one of the things that um, you hear a lot, uh, you don't hear a lot of times, but I am going to be the person who's going to get in the soapbox to say that. And that's about the developer experience, right? You're mm-hmm. asking your developers a lot of times to be able to do a lot of context switching between the type of client that they're working with. Because let's say... Uh, one of our clients, Morningstar, has a very like unique um, experience, right? But how do you then try actually? Mm-hmm. This is when everything is still together, right? That's because that's not what we do today. But like, if you're if in a scenario where, regardless of whatever your your organization is, um, you're trying to keep those two experiences together, you're asking your development team to like do a lot of context switching, and then if well. So and so, like our internal folks have it this way, and they have this this language, or they have these approaches, and maybe the tool name is a little bit different. So, in, mm-hmm. and so instead of calling it like um, compose, we call it um, white white uh, white notes for uh, or like notepad for your clients. Like just those mm-hmm. different types of experiences from a developer perspective makes that product development process a lot harder because. 
then you're asking the developers to say, okay, when you build this and it goes to prod, you may have to do two different deploys where there's a client deploy and then there's an internal deploy. And mm. there's two different run books. And then there's two different yeah. disaster recovery strategies. And it starts yeah. to compile on top of itself, you know? And a lot of times you don't hear that because they just get it done and they do an excellent job at it. But that experience is still there because then when you try to onboard a new developer, you're like, well, they'll mm. ask a question, well, why is it why do we do it this way? Oh, it's always been done this way. Everything has yeah. two of everything. And that's that experience is just not the best, you know? I mean, it ripples out. And yeah. I think this is why it's impossible to, I say, it's not impossible. I think it's really unwise to disentangle product from uh, Agile Software Manifesto mm-hmm. from like from then the users and uh, trying to disentangle that and say, oh no, it's clear, this is this, this is it, like, it just doesn't work because you end up in that situation that you explained. Mm-hmm. And I think that Conway's law, the idea that our communication structure is kind of our organization structure, which is our software architecture. You know, I haven't heard about Conway's law being applied to products that often. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, in, in, in the product world, but it, it, it just further compounds the issue, which is it, it makes the making those semantic changes or getting that semantic alignment mm-hmm. between calling it Notepad and, and, um, and Scribe or no whatever. Scribe or whatever. Yeah. Composed. Yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, getting that uh, semantic homogenization, that, that alignment, that it becomes incredibly difficult. And you know, in those situations where you've got it was an internal product or internal platform, and you're then spinning out into something else, mm-hmm. then the issue is, I mean, it was in your own organization, the communi- communication lines were hard enough. If you were just having an external facing organization and you were deciding what do we call this so mm-hmm. that it makes sense to all of our vast array of customers, that's hard <coughs> enough. Trying to then say. An internal organization who want things their way, but still feel that they own it and help mm-hmm. develop it, and then trying to find it with something that you can sell and market, then mm-hmm. all of like that is it just creates that friction, and it's and it's so difficult for folks to 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 overcome, right? Because you don't want to make in the effort to make nobody and make everybody happy. Nobody's happy. No one, <laughs> not no a person's happy, right? And you sometimes you just have to say like, okay. Somebody's going to end up with a short stick. That's just how it is, yeah. especially in product development. And the question is, is it is it your internal folks or is it you know your clients? I venture yeah. to say that you probably don't want your clients to be upset. So no, yeah. but then yeah. Do you know what, Chris? I I I would like to carry on this conversation in in more depth and i don't know maybe we can talk about offline about how we carry it on because i like this is a this is a tasty conversation mm-hmm. i mean i enjoy the last one but i'm enjoying this too but i'm keeping an eye on the clock and unfortunately we're gonna have to bring it to a close because um without wanting to pop the uh the illusion of a podcast i am also a father yeah, yeah. You, 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 have, you have the uh the school pickup to do so yes which I love, you know. <laughs> I, I I do this so that I can spend more time. I say, do I do? I did a podcast because I need I'm an old man who's a hobby. But I run my own business because uh, I like spending time with my kids. That's so awesome. yeah, I've got to go and go and pick them up from their uh, after school club. But CP, it's been. Uh, I thought it was going to be fun, but I've had an absolute well of a time. So thank you uh, so well, much am, for coming I on. Happy. I really appreciate it. And same here, my friend. Uh, we have to do this again. If not, whether it's podcast, even if it's us catching up, because um, hopefully, yeah. knock on wood, I'll be, because uh, I'm in grad school right now and we're doing a study abroad program and I will be in um, the UK, somewhere in the UK over the summer, or if not, in France. So I will find my way 
to yeah. and we will have um what is it uh a a proper drink um yes and uh some fish and chips i know it's so quintessential right that, that's literally the other than premier league football that that is my extent of english culture so i need to get my life i might yeah, come on over and i and you know what i mean fish and chips is like yeah fish and chips is all right but uh mate i'm all about the bat and sausage Ah yes, ooh, that sounds delicious. And one of the bad sausage. Oh. And there, there are some, there, there are some dirty English things you can buy from a fish and chip shop, man. I can introduce <laughs> you to them all. But I like it. Let's man. wrap this up. Absolutely. <laughs> CP, um, thank you so much, man. Um, thank you everybody for listening. And I, and I would hope that me and CP can have a chat and we'll get him back on uh, to kind of go a bit deeper, deeper on um, our XP. <laughs> um, <laughs> so <laughs> trademark, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> There you go. Um, <laughs> one day I'll release that video and everyone will think, oh my God, what an old, what a strange old man. Um, thank you very much, sir. Thank you all for listening. CP Richardson, in my opinion, is a very rare unicorn. Not one of those common unicorns you find so haphazardly scattered around the streets of the UK. Oh no, he's a rare one. So rare, in fact, that we're going to get him back. Him and Denis Sarger will be joining us in a month or two's time to go deep on how Arc XP work and how it came into life. If it wasn't for Jeff Bezos, Arc XP wouldn't exist. And we get the inside track on how this collection of tools that works so well internally became its own independent platform. But that's valuable conversation. There's unique insights from the ground in Arc XP of how Jeff Bezos bought the Washington Post and saw potential in this product. Make sure that you stay tuned, you subscribe and follow us on the social media platform of choice so you don't miss those episodes. Anyway, thank you once again. My name is Ben Maynard and this is the Product Agility Podcast.